It's interesting to me that God just meets us in the familiar uh, so often, and he shines the light in the familiar. And when I heard this story, I said, you got to share this story because that's what Creekside's about, just sharing life together and our stories. Um, and, and with that light that Gene and Cassie went through, it kind of reveals a deeper context uh, of the f- familiar. Kind of reminds me of Barb and I sitting on the porch the last couple of weeks, and it's been great in the evenings, and we've been been just enjoying um, sitting and listening to the birds. And uh, I remember talking with Barb, saying, man, it's, it's like a jungle, listening to all of these birds uh, sing and, and just making all this commotion and noise and whatnot. And uh, as we sat, we would listen to the, the waves of the ocean. Most of you call that I-80, the traffic, but we kind of imagine that it's the waves. And so we're just having a great time and listening to the storm uh, with, with these uh, birds just chirping and, and chatting away. And, and we realized that 10, 15 minutes after the sun had set, the birds would just stop singing. I mean, they would just stop. Maybe there was one or two that would keep talking back and forth, and, but all of a sudden it didn't take long, and they were all just quiet. In the early mornings, I love my early mornings, about 30 minutes before the sun rises, there goes the birds again. They start chirping, and they start talking, and it, it's so fun. But... I, I, I was intrigued, you know, I was talking to Barb about it, that uh, God gave these birds an instinct to know how to do these things. And they were just following their instinct in this that, that God had given to them. And, and I was just taken aback again how, how I was seeing the fingerprints of God being seen in the familiar it was as if, if the light was just turned on and I, I was able to see the, the context of life, of, of truth, that Jesus is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. I was able to see the context of love that he carries even for the birds, um, the context of power, uh, that he is able to infuse this instinct into the bird kingdom. And, and so we were just sitting there and just being amazed with, with just the power of God, the truth, the love, and the power that is being um, demonstrated as we just sat on that porch listening. And I, I, I saw the truth, love, and, and, and the power, like I was saying, but, but, but this describes Jesus' light. This describes the kingdom of God as well. And you and I are called uh, instinctively to receive this light, to be formed in this light, and to be light to other people. But God has given us this free will. And so we choose, and often we choose not that light, (laughs) nor to be formed by that light, nor to be light to other people. And so with that, I, I take... John 8, 12. Let's just read that and, and, um, and see where the Lord's going to take us. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, you and I, we, we know what light is. Uh, if you can see, you can understand light. You don't have to prove light. 
when there is light, there are things that are present. Um, but if there's no light in this room, then probably you're going to bump your leg onto something because you can't see. But once the light is on, it's interesting that light itself reveals itself and helps us to see the environment around us. And so Jesus here, when he was sharing that I am the light of the world, he's, he's speaking to a number of folks who uh, wanted Jesus just to be gone, wanted Jesus to be silenced. And so when Jesus said, I am the light, they responded, we don't see your light. But just because a person doesn't see light doesn't mean the light is not shining. And so in verse 13, he says the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Verse 14, and even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I come from and where I am going. Huge phrase right there. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying here, even though he is testifying to himself and it is valid because he has that uniqueness to say, this is who I am. But it's interesting that he says the father. Now, these guys are all about God. They're all over it. And he's and he's saying, you don't know the father. He says, the father is backing my testimony up. And, and as I began to read this, it was obvious to me that Jesus was settled and he was secure in his, in his identity. And I began to think there's a pattern for us here. And a lot of this comes from the story of Gina and, and Cassie as, as they were sharing. Um, there's that pattern that I think God wants us to be settled and secure in, our, our, in, in, in who we are our own identity. And you and I, we go through these moments where we struggle and we doubt and we wonder where I am with God or maybe where God is with me. You ever, you ever experienced that? We, we go through this. And this is why I love about uh, their story about, about this guy. And it's, uh, I apologize for them not sharing it because there's some sweetness following uh, what they just shared with you but how sweet it is when this guy said you've given me a second chance of life and um, sometimes we feel that there is no second chance or third or a hundred chance of life that but God is providing this for you Dallas Willard said this I was just reading a book uh, I think life without lack and and there was just this little phrase that he said concerning just the things that we go through. He said, you know, at this point, it is essential that we are well grounded in the grace-drenched message of God's acceptance of us. I just love that because we forget who God is. We forget how much he loves you. One of the greatest and fondest memories I have, and I have a lot of them, of raising the five kids, each one of them, when they were babies, uh, the memory of 
Barb or myself just feeding them the bottle. And some of you parents will really relate to this. It's so simple and basic. But, but here, when you're feeding the baby the bottle, the little tiny chubby fingers, hands would go and wrap itself around the bottle as if it was feeding itself. And they would just look into your eyes as you looked into their eyes. And of course, all they saw in your eyes was just this, this fullness of love. And, and what do you do? You start talking to them and you start smiling at them and you make silly faces and, you know, you start singing. And, and especially with the funny faces and you start smiling, even though the bottle is in the baby's mouth, it smiles back to you. I mean, it's, it's the most coolest thing ever. And, and when they're smiling, of course, the, the milk just dribbles down their cheek. And so you're just always constantly cleaning up the milk that's running down their cheek. But they don't care about the messy milk. They are captivated by love. And the baby knew they were loved. The baby would smile back. And when the baby smiles in return, that's a sacred, holy moment. There's a theologian. His name was Hans Urs von Boltzusser. A name like that, dude, that's some serious smartage in that person's life. That is a big name. So he had to be smart. But he says this. He says, insofar as we are his creatures, the seed of love lies dormant within us as the image of God. But just as no child can be awakened to love without being loved, so too no human heart can come to an understanding of God without the free gift of his grace, which is in the image of his son. Listen to what he says. This, this guy is profound. He's a seed of love is planted in each of our souls a deep longing to be loved, but it can only be awakened by being deeply loved. Our deepest longing is to be loved by the creator. Believe it or not, that's true. We, we long for that love from our creator. And if we knew we are loved as we are, our souls become whole, becomes wholesome. But you and I, you know, we live in a world of competition, of separation, and before COVID-19, of isolation, we live in this kind of a world. We live in a world of performance and a society that says love must be merited by performance. And so it's really hard for you and I to understand this kind of love, this under, to understand when Jesus says, I am the light, I am truth, I am love. I empower. It's hard for us to connect with this sort of a love, this unconditional love that God may have for you. But we can see the cross. We can take a look at the cross of Jesus Christ that shouts out that we are loved. You are loved as you are. And being, being that Jesus is light, he, he brings light. He brings a, a revelation. He reveals this great mystery that God is love and that we are his beloved. And according to John 3, 17, he says, he did not come to this world to condemn the world. He became one of us 
to reconcile you and I with God. Now let's go back to the text again. Look at this analogy. Here are the opponents of Jesus. They're trying to get him to question his identity. And how did Jesus go about it? What did Jesus do? He put all those voices aside and he focused on what God was saying. Look at verse 17. He says, in your own law, it says uh, that, the, that there needed to be a testimony of two witnesses. I am the one, I am one who testifies for myself. So that's the first witness was Jesus himself. The second witness, he says, the other witness is the father who sent me. And so he's saying here, listen to what the father says about me. He testifies that I am the Messiah. Now, there's a lesson here for you and for I, for, for me, that, that we can uh, capture, captivate here this morning. Jesus did not merely um, rely upon his own thinking about who he was. Even though it was valid, okay, even though it was perfectly accurate, that he said, I am the light of the world. I am the Messiah. It was valid. It was accurate. Now, for me to think about myself may not be so accurate. Um, I cannot base my identity upon how I think about myself because how I think about myself may be different in two hours from now. Definitely going to be perhaps different tomorrow. So, it's, it's interesting um, that when it comes to God, at least in my earlier years, it was never favorable. It was never, never uh, too high. It was always way too low. And that's maybe what you're experiencing. It's just way too low. How can God accept me? How? I mean, I am so terrible before God. How can God even tolerate me? And I'm sure maybe this guy who, who was saved through this, this tablet and, and all the stories that Cassie and, and Gina was sharing, I don't know what's going on in his life, but it, it was my life, and maybe that's your life too. How can God even accept me? Where does that garbage come from? It doesn't come from God. And so, uh, you know, my, my prayer is that we go back to the Word. We go back to the Scriptures. What does God say? Because you and I, we cannot rely and base our identity upon how we think about ourselves. It's either going to be too high or it's going to be too low. So in verse 19, and by the way, let me just say this, that what God says to you, it is so wonderful, it is so righteous, it is so perfect, and it's so accurate, and this is available to every single one of you out there. Verse 19. And they asked him, where is your father? I love that. I was just caught and trapped into that. Where is your father? And a lot of different opinions, but I believe that when they asked that question, they were asking Jesus about his human father. You see, they had this scandal card that they would show at the appropriate time. They kind of kept it in their back pocket and you know, when their backs were against the wall, they would toss this scandal card out to Jesus and try to humiliate him 
maybe to embarrass him and basically saying, okay, Mr. Light of the World, why don't you tell us about your father? Because, see, they didn't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. And, and, so, and, say, and so they would throw this scandal card to Jesus and say, but dude, admit this. Admit it, Jesus, that you are an illegitimate child. What right do you have to tell us anything? So here was Jesus and, and being questioned and being slammed with scandal cards and all of this. And Jesus says this. You do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. In other words, he's saying, you guys are the experts of Scripture. Go back and read the Scriptures, and you will discover that the Messiah was born of a virgin. What's the lesson? Well, the events of our life can shake my identity, your identity. Bad things can happen. And we can feel lousy about ourselves. Or maybe the evil one just puts... Or maybe a better way to say it, the evil one influences our thinking about ourselves. And he tosses the scandal card at you. Look at your past. And maybe we need to re- reply the way Jesus replied. This is the lesson. That you don't know me. You don't know the transforming work that God is doing in my life. You don't know me and you don't know my father who loves me in spite of all my failings and, 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 and just messy stuff that I've done and the mess that I'm in. You don't know me and you don't know my father who is working the work of transformation in my life. Isn't that sweet? Jesus is setting a pattern here. I've never seen it before. And I don't even know how I got it, but listening to Cassie and, and, and Gina, I kind of dovetailed that into the story about identity and how much God loves us. And if he needs to send an angel, he's going to send an angel. He's going to do something in the familiar to shine a light, but sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't see the light behind the singing of the birds and how instinctively they begin to just shut down when the sun sets and then to start chatting when the sun rises this is God this is God in his creation this is what Jesus is talking about and he is personal and he's with you and the light is shining you may be blind but the light is shining Jesus is shining and sometimes he'll send an angel and we may miss the angel but he still loves you Jesus is light. He is true. He is love. He is power. And the true power of love is greater than any darkness of your past or of the present or of the future. Now, I want to wrap this up. I want to I want to say this, that um, I was reading a book some years ago, and I don't even know how long it's been um, can't even remember the title. I apologize. I did write some stuff from the book, and I don't remember it. But it's a story about Mike Quarles. And he was a father. He was a husband. He was a pastor. And he was an alcoholic. 
And he had lost everything except his, his family. Um, and he pretty near just lost his family. And for years and years, he tried everything. In fact, in the back of the book, he gave 30 things that he tried. And I would read through those things. They're awesome things. And nothing would work in his life. He did everything he could to, to overcome alcoholism. And, and he was a wreck. He was a ruin in, in his life. And he was spiraling down. And, and he says this. In fact, he, he says alcohol, alcoholism is just not one addiction. Drug is not. You've got food addictions. You've got sex addictions. You've got approval addictions. You, you know, seeking approval from others. We've got a lot of addictions here. And he says, no addiction defines a person's true identity. I had to change my beliefs before I could experience freedom. He had to experience, he had to change his belief. This is a pastor. He had to change his belief about who he is. He says, all addictions are a spiritual bondage. It may be drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe sex, maybe seeking approval of other people. I don't know what it is. There's a hundred of them out there. But it's a spiritual bondage. And he says the root problem is not the behavior, but the lie we believe about ourselves, which drives the behavior. See? Mike continues, he said, I had to learn to believe that I am not a failure. I am not an addict, unloved, insecure, inferior, and guilty. But I am forgiven, I am accepted, I am competent, and I am complete, I am righteous. And brother and sister, you are, you are secure in Jesus Christ. You are his beloved. Jesus is light. He's true, he's love, he's power. And the true power of his love is greater than any darkness of your past, your present, and your future. So I want to close with this, with three things. What are you being called to? Whew. I mean, what I'm, what I'm talking about here, guys and girls, this, it can go on into different messages. But this is the core messages, is the kingdom of God, and that Jesus is light. But here, here, here are three statements. Number one is this, receive the light. This is what Jesus is talking about. And, and light is not only truth and, and power and love, but it's reality. You see, Jesus is reality, and that's what he's trying to teach. I am light. Light doesn't have to prove itself. It, it shows itself as it is. It's reality. God is reality. How he sees you is reality. How he sees and views this world is reality. His kingdom is reality. And all are invited to live in this kingdom. It's reality. Everything outside is a hoax. Everything else is just pretending. Everything else is people trying to perform to seek your approval. I'll stop with that. Receive the light. Number two is this. Let the light be formed in you. 
<laughs> okay, we got we can't go on. We got to stop this. All right. But let this light be formed in you. Now, I want to ask you this question. How is this light going to be formed in you? Another question is, why should I even be concerned about having this light being formed in me? That's for you. Number three is this. Be the light to other people. Jesus said in, in Matthew five fourteen, he says, you are the light of this world. Whew. Receive the light. What does that mean to you? What is the light? Ask, your, ask questions. What is the light? You'll be amazed what you come up with. How is this light to be formed in you? Do you care? Is there anything that you can do? If nothing, that's fine. But how do you form this light? How, how, how to be characterized in this form? Uh, why should I? Why should I even be concerned about it? And maybe there is no concern, but that's a good question. Let the light be formed in you. And then number three is this. Be a light to other people. I'm going to close with that. Now, I want to say thank you for, for casting, for Gina, for sharing. Uh, thank you for the text setting all this up. Thank you for taking time to listen. I hope this was a word of encouragement for you. And um, I have prayed that God would use me as a vehicle, as an instrument, and hopefully that would bring encouragement. But just think about this. What does it mean to receive the light? What is the light to you? Let the light be formed in you and be a light to other people. And I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.